Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Injuries are starting to pile up for the banged up Blue Jackets, who had a pretty rough week after a fun Monday night win over the Capitals. We're going to talk about last week around the organization, and we are recording this episode on Monday night in hopes of juicing another Washington victory out of our favorite team, or victory over Washington. You guys know what I mean. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this week is Elaine Shercliffe. Hi, Elaine. Hi. And Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good. Good. So last week, it was kind of weird because we recorded the podcast during the game, and we talked for half an hour about how listless and inconsistent and bad the Blue Jackets were, and then they they blew the doors off Washington. But the rest of the week kind of bore (laughs) out what we were talking about. Uh, This week, we're recording this episode during the Washington game. This time it's a nationwide, and there's a lot of people who were not who are not in this game that played in last week's wins. So we're going to talk about all that. But first off, overall impressions from this last week, where be Washington five two, you look great. Seventeen shots and no goals against Pittsburgh on the road, and then a Saturday game where play okay for part of it, but you give up a hat trick to Anthony Declare and lose again so like we talked about inconsistency and kind of where this team is right now it was nice that they showed effort in the washington game next week or uh, last week because they sure didn't much the rest of the week i don't know how to describe thursday night's loss to pittsburgh other than embarrassingly awful that was pathetic and absolutely i mean I think I saw somewhere in some story that the Penguins were missing $31 million out of their lineup and the Blue Jackets averaged less than one shot on goal every three minutes over a 60-minute mm-hmm. hockey game. That's pathetic. And then uh, they came out on Saturday Saturday afternoon. You know, they had a, they had a closed-door meeting after the Pittsburgh game, you know, Try and try and sort things out. Torts called it embarrassing and speechless and the lowest moment he's had since he was coaching, blah, blah, blah. And then they come out against Ottawa when everyone would expect him to show up and, you know, want to avenge that uh, that terrible effort for on Thursday night. And they laid an egg for 40 solid minutes of that Ottawa game. Mm-hmm. Credit. They, they played well in the third period, but 
Still didn't do enough to win. They took too many terrible penalties. Uh, you know, Sonny Milano got hurt. Ryan Murray got hurt. Uh, Josh Anderson got hurt. It was a mess in Ottawa, but I don't want in, I don't want the injuries that, to the guys that we lost to cover up the fact that even before those guys got hurt, there was no effort from the forwards. There was no. I mean, you know, Elvis got Elvis got yanked. He could have done better. Corpusalo came in. He didn't. He played fine, I guess. Anthony Duclair looked like a man who did everything short of skate by and give towards the middle finger on the bench. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it looked like he had something to prove to like stick it to his old head coach. Like this is what this or stick it to the franchise. You know, you guys gave up on me and basically threw me in as a warm body in the Ryan Dezingle trade. And he made the Jackets pay. He's got, you know, more goals than like half our team combined or something ridiculous this season. And our offense continues to show up once every two weeks. So, yeah, like 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 last week, we willed him to a win against the Washington Capitals. So we'll probably lose one nothing to the L.A. Kings on Thursday night. It's the way this season goes, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not all rosy tonight. Oh, God. See, it's like you're ever always rosy. <laughs> I took the last of my medicine on like Wednesday. So it was still like in my system on Thursday. And um, one of the like side effects is like delusions. And I really thought that like I was making up that Penguins game. (laughs) 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 It, (laughs) it, You would think that they were still like if you look at the score only, you think that they were actually like in it the whole game, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they weren't. And I think that's what was. They were not. (laughs) Right. And that's what's so frustrating is you hold this team to like no goals and then but you played like crap the whole time so if you actually like played well we could have just ended it in regulation I don't the team makes my brain hurt just a little the whole thing with the senators is there are so many former jackets on that team that people wrote off like Cody Golubov and Ron Hainsey, and even Anthony Duclair. And, you know, Goloboff never got his fair shake here. They all they were just always using him wrong. And Duclair, we all knew he had this greatness in him, but he was clearly being used wrong. And Ottawa is just showing us that, like, the players that we had in the past who were deemed, like, unplayable are actually really good if you give them a chance and and learn how to coach them properly right you utilize them in the correct situations exactly and there was one thing i noticed in the senators game because i know you guys have heard me talk pretty bad about seth jones not bad but like not impressed with his defensive aspect of the game i did notice that when texier's line was on the ice he played differently he played more defensively which leads me to believe that maybe he was just really comfortable with those forwards because there were multiple times where like Texier would go into the corners behind behind the net of the opposing team, so like in the ozone. And typically Seth would either post up shop in front of the crease or he would go help out along the boards. But instead he kept cutting back and going towards like the point. Almost as if to say, like, the forwards, this is your job, and I'm here if for some reason you guys turn the puck over so that I can keep it out of the neutral zone. 
it was nice to see that old Seth Jones playing like that again, where he knows he can score, but he also knows that his job is to defend and not have to make up for the forwards. So that was a bright spot to me in that Senators game. I also want to point out Artem Anisimov picking up an assist in that Ottawa win as well. Another oh, former right. Senator. Not the same situation, but it is still another former Blue Jacket. Yeah, yeah, Duclair, yeah du- Duclair's second goal was assisted by Hainsey and uh, Anisimov. So. Right. Well, and Golubov was on the ice for that as well. It was like one big Blue Jacket mm-hmm. hug. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to talk about Seth Jones a little bit too. Because homeboy got worked a little bit in that Ottawa game. Connor Brown ate his lunch a few times uh, when Jones was like taking the puck back into the defensive zone. I mean, so I I get what Jones is doing. He's trying to protect the puck and trying to allow his teammates to get a line change. But my God, someone needs to help him out. And like, it looks like we don't, I don't know. I was just really upset to see Seth Jones is getting destroyed in his defensive zone. Like Connor Brown picked his pocket twice and ended up with breakaways. And then at one point Jones got burned on like a two on one and he was kind of out of position for it. It just sucks that that Ottawa game was terrible. And but all season people have not they've taken Connor Brown for granted across the league. They have been like, oh, he's not going to pick pocket me. And then he does. They, they look at him and they're like, oh, it's just Connor Brown. Oh, hey. And then he just destroys them. So I think a lot of people are taking him lightly, including Seth Jones, because I don't think he saw any of that coming. Yeah, it's just I'm mostly just frustrated with the Ottawa game because it came on the heels of us looking non-competitive to an AHL Penguins team. And we just came out and laid an egg in the first let me tell you, oh, the geez, AHL got, Penguins uh, team. Andrew, 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 Pink is da- Andrew Pink is down on the ice hurt right now. So we have no one place. else to give them. Uh, we have. Andrew, Andrew, Pink, Andrew Pink is down and cannot get up. Guys, we um, literally, the, so mon- the monsters. You, got, you guys are. No, we just signed a PTO for defense today because we don't have defense. <laughs> yeah, well. That brings us to the next segment, which is the Blue Jackets' spate of injuries right now. On the actual IR, Brandon Dubinsky, Cole Sherwood, Marcus Nudavara, Zach Wierenski, and Emil Benstrom. That does not count Josh Anderson and Sonny Milano, who are sitting out Monday's game due to injuries suffered on Saturday. So, like you guys were just talking about, there are a lot of people up. Specifically, Marco Dano and Kevin Stidlin. By the time you listen to this episode, you will have seen them play their nine minutes or whatever they did against <laughs> the Capitals. But <laughs> fun to have Marco back. Good to see Stidlin back after four games last season. It's fun. I think I think we are at that point of the season, and I saw some takes on this today, where, you know what? Screw it. Not let's raid Cleveland, not by any means, but, you know, let's see what we got here. Like that, the the Jackets are not making the playoffs. I think we can probably assume that from where they are right now on December 16th, 17th. It's not looking good. They're 28th in the league. Let's see Stimlin. Let's see Dano. Let's, you know, and I know there's more to it than that. I'm not saying call them up all year. I'm not saying rape Cleveland, but they're here. They're here. Let's see what we got. No, like we can because, you know what? The Masters probably aren't going to make the playoffs either because the North is so stacked this year. Like, our record in any of the other divisions would put the Monsters maybe fourth. And I think we're, like, sixth or seventh in our division. So, 
unless like three teams take a nosedive <laughs> soon, mm. I, even if the monsters go on a tear, it's still like it's very up in the air. So I mean, we don't have much to give you because all of our players are hurt too. Because all the monsters are hurt too. So <laughs> or they're already in Columbus. Or they're already in Columbus. Or they're in Columbus and hurt. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on replays, uh, Andrew Peak took a deflected puck off the stick right to the choppers, so he might be spitting chiclets right now. Oof. But uh, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't look pleasant. Uh, but he skated off the ice under his own power. Also, Alex Winberg just got checked into the bench, so it's going great so far in the first four and a half minutes. Yeah, literally into the bench. <laughs> yeah. We, every episode should just be us just watching the game and then podcasting. This should be uh, <laughs> just, just probably some rule against it. Except I'm not watching it right now, so <laughs> Elaine, that's probably for the best. <laughs> so lots of injuries, nowhere to go yeah. with this point, and this is kind of like the point in the season where can't. We've been waiting all season for the team to turn around, for the team to gel, for the team to figure it out, and. They're just not. There's not. And the guys that they are going to have to play, like tonight, doesn't really bode well. Yeah, yeah no. For um, that prospect. At, like, at this point, I, I agree with you, Ryan. Um, we At this point, we might as well just see what we have. The play, the play, they're, they're not happening. Even if they won something like 12 of their next 13 games, they're still at, because the Metro is such a bloodbath this season, they they might get up to second wild card at best, and that would require the offense to wake up in ways we haven't seen it capable of this year at in any in any capacity. So like, I just don't I don't see the playoffs happening. So basically, what I want to see from the rest of this season, and I know it's hard to do, but with all the rash of injuries, like I don't want to see got. I have nothing against a lot of the veteran players. And, uh, you know, but I don't want to see guys like Nick Foligno playing 21, 22 minutes a night. I want to see guys like, you know, Alex Texier playing 16, 17 minutes. And I want to see the young guys, you know, get more than nine minutes a night. You, right. Like if you're going to take your lumps and if you're going to take your lumps and learn what it's like to play in all situations in the NHL, you might as well do it in a year where we're going nowhere fast. And just, you, you, you know, that way in two years when everyone's like, healthy and you know hopefully we've brought in a free agent or two and we can actually you know compete again for the playoffs i'd rather have those guys have experience in the about in those moments now and be able to learn from their mistakes that way they can apply those lessons later when it actually matters i also think in um two things one the lines need to be rolled i think Everyone needs to be playing about the same amount of time. No one should be playing like 21 minutes. That's my opinion right now about this team because no one seems to be getting it together um, except for the younger guys who are trying to take their chance while they have it. Um, secondly, I think that they need a mental change because when you listen to those post-game pressers and you hear like, we had a bad shift and we lost it from there. We had a bad five minutes and we lost it from there. Why are you letting one thing, two things like just destroy you for a whole game? Like I know in the past, like John Davidson had that brick by brick, that like marketing slogan, but maybe this team needs to start taking everything shift by shift because they're clearly letting everything affect them to the point 
Like, you hear it in all their post games. Like, yeah, I made this, like, bad penalty, and here I am, like, beating myself up about it for a whole game. Why? Why are you beating yourself up about it for the whole game? It, it That shouldn't be happening. They need to get right with their minds, take it shift by shift, and you mess up one shift, you know what? That Get it back on the next one. I see it with the monsters, like uh, they have a line and he lets a goal in. It's like, you know what? That's okay. I've got like 20 more shots I can stop. That's literally what these guys need to be thinking. Like I turn that puck over. You know what? Let's get it back. Let's get it back. But instead they're like, I turn the puck over. I can't do that again. Oh my God, this game is going to go off the rails if I turn the puck over again. And then what happens? Or they I'm, turn the puck over. Or again. I'm going to lose my minutes. Or I'm going to right. lose my minutes if I turn if I for that mistake and therefore it's in their head. And and they shouldn't, you know, even if the coach is saying that to them, they still have to to rise above that and say, like, you know what, them's the breaks. That sucks. But we're gonna get it back the next time. The next time I hit the ice, even if he cuts my minutes, I'm gonna make the best of it. But instead it's like, cut my minutes. Oh, wah wah wah, Debbie Downer. Like, I get it, it's tough. But at this point, you're, it's a lot of the veterans are doing it. And it's like, at this point, you're a veteran, man. You got to know. You got to know what it takes. And if you can't, then you, you need to sit down. You need to take those letters off your chest. And you, you need to re, reassess. It's a good thing we have a coaching staff who's willing to play the youth, though. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Monsters and John Tortorella's media prickliness in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We are back, and the Blue Jackets may have a chance to turn it around this week with games against bottom-feeding Detroit, Los Angeles, and a Taylor Hall-less New Jersey this weekend. So fingers crossed if there was ever opportunity to get three wins in a row, this is it. But we know this team at 30-plus games into the season. Anyway... We have been talking on Slack, and there's been a lot of talk on, on Twitter and social media as well about the questions that John Tortorella gets from the media and how he responds to those questions. And I believe you guys have some thoughts on that and Tortorella on the whole. You guys know I'm not the biggest John Tortorella fan in the world. I think his what? message has worn stale. And Yeah, I know, right? Shocker. When the team comes out and looks flatter than my than a pancake for two straight games, especially one where you called it embarrassing and the lowest moment of your career here. And you can't answer for it, coach. So, so it, it just. I wonder if the message has gotten stale and it, it, I understand. It's it, we all we when Torch was hired, we all knew he had a shelf life and we knew he was going to be this cantankerous figure with the media who doesn't like to answer questions, especially after tough losses, especially when losses, when he doesn't think the team performed well. 
after after a while, after 30 games, especially this season, after 30 games of the same issues continuing to crop up, I'm sorry, John Tortorella, but you're going to have to start answering questions or sending out someone else who will because clearly something is off either with your coaching or with the players or some combination of the two, probably the latter. But someone needs to start answering for the mistakes this team continues to make, the lack of the just... You know, honestly, the losses suck, but we've all been through losses before. We've all seen this team. I mean, we've all been fans of this team for how many years when they were wandering in the wilderness, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've we, we stuck by them. It's so the losses, the losses are something we can all eventually get over. And in some cases, look back and laugh at like, ha, I remember the Scott Neal days. It's the lack of to, it's the total lack of giving at some points that I can't abide. I just can't. The Pittsburgh game followed up by the that the way that Ottawa game went. I just can't get by that. That is inexcusable from a coaching staff for, to not have your team ready to go. That's inexcusable from the players to not for them to not be ready to go. And I just want to at this point, I want to see someone answer for it in some capacity. I want like I, I just it's just um, it's it blows my mind that we're this far into the season, we're over a third of the way into the year and the same issues are right there. And no one in, in, in somehow 59 second press conferences are okay because that's just torts being torts or whatever. That's I'm sorry. I just don't think that's okay. And I, I realize that's probably the wrong take, but you know, you know, it's, it's part of their contract is in the NHL. They need to talk to the media. Just, I want to, I want to hear, I, w- I want someone to answer for it in some capacity beyond a cliche. I can see where Torts comes from on those pressers. I see where the fans are coming from. I see where the I really see where the media is coming from. I think though, at this point in his tenure at Columbus, there should be a little bit more of a I don't want to say respect because I don't think he doesn't respect the 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 writers. Um but there has to be some sort of give and take between him, Portsline, Hedger, Allison, and all the other various people, Mark Sheeg, all of them who cover this team on a regular basis. And at some point, you also have to read how the coach is. I mean, somebody, I couldn't pinpoint who the voice was. Maybe, maybe it was a Pittsburgh writer. I don't know. After that game asked, were you disappointed with the amount of shots on goal? He's upset. He's already said he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't know how to describe it. And you're going to ask him that question. And no one should have been shocked with the way he answered that. I I mean, it wasn't like the best (laughs) response. But also, as a coach who is frustrated and somebody throws up a softie like that and asks you a question like, are you disappointed? Of course I'm disappointed. Like, you saw the game. <laughs> we all saw the game. I do. That was a Pens writer who asked that. And I think he may have gotten cut off. Like, I think it was like, are you disappointed in the shots? And then there was more to come and Torts interjected. Now, somebody who would have been much more familiar with Torts, i.e. a Jackets writer, would have known not to start a question like that. <laughs> right. Um, Probably. But there, and there's like some give, there's some give and take with all of this though, because Short pressers yeah. happen, okay? Coach Madden, he came out yeah. after a really bad game in last season, and he said it was like a 
20 second long post game. He was like, this is the worst we've ever played. I'm disappointed. And then that was it because none of us asked a question. We all were like, at that point, nothing we ask is going to get any sort of response that we need. And it's going to make it an uncomfortable relationship. But what did really bother me even more about the torts thing is the next day at practice, when Portsline asked if he watched the film yet, and he said, no, I'm doing that later today. My mind almost exploded because Portsline was patient. He tried not to ask him a bunch of questions when he realized that, you know, he wasn't going to answer him at the game. But you've, you're coming home. I know you as a coach have to like cool down and stuff, but how do you go into practice the next day and have not watched films to discuss with each mm-hmm. of your players? How, I, I, I don't understand it. it and it, it's kind of frustrating from, especially from a writer's standpoint, like you want to know, like what exactly happened in that game? Like, where do you see the breakdown? Because we're not on the bench. We're not on the ice. So what the player sees and what the coach sees can be different. But, you know, when you're asking coach, you're asking coach, where did you see the breakdown? Where do you think this went wrong? How do you think you could fix it? Is it fixable? Is it time to try something new? But no one seems to be asking those questions on camera. I don't know if they're asking them off camera. And what's irritating is, like, you pointed out one situation where Mike Eves did this. Torts does this, like, every 10 days you know that's it was, like it was madden that point, did it it was madden or madden I'm, I'm i'm sorry i'm sorry for mixing my monsters coaches up a lane <laughs> okay. i apologize for that but 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 you know what i mean like this doesn't happen regularly up there am i correct um with mads it i was able to read so coach eves gives like these three to seven minute ten minute long post game pressers because that's just mm-hmm. who he is Tortorella doesn't mince words. He doesn't use flowery language. He doesn't use big words all the time. He doesn't like to describe things. John Madden was the same way. You know when you when you have covered a coach long enough what their ticks are and what you're going to get out of them and what you're not. So sometimes, you know what, after a tough loss, multiple tough losses, you're going to have to just swallow it. But it, and hope but that at some point more it's important like for the next time. But the thing is, but like you you mentioned, he came out the next day and still didn't like talk right. to the media. I'm, so, I'm sorry, that's no. That's at that point, it's not good enough. Right, like he he talked to the media, but he didn't have he had he didn't watch any films from the night before. And he had like and he had no and he had very short answers for what he talked about after practice. It's like you're you're the head coach of this hockey team, and this hockey team is floundering right now be below all expectations from the season. Like, you, you know, I, I personally didn't predict them to hit their, hit their point total from this season, but they're not, they're not on close to get close. They're not on pace to get close to it at this point. Like coach, you, you, you got to talk about something out here. You gotta, you gotta give the fans and the writers something. It's your job. I mean, but here's the thing and I'm going to say it and it's going to make people mad. Cause I say this to other writers sometimes too. They don't have to give you sh- Sorry, Ryan. Sorry. You're going to have to edit that. It's the they second don't... one this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> they don't have to give you anything. I mean, it's in their contract. No, they no. Have, they... they have to be up there 
but it does not say that they have to give you a like legitimate answer. It's not in well, the Well, then I don't th- then we I guess we as fans don't have to give him the time of day or respect his answers, I guess. It's just frustrating to it's it's frustrating that this I mean, is I'm continues not saying to be it's a not thing frustrating. that he, it, I'm not saying it's not frustrating. It's it it's frustrating as a writer, I would be frustrated and I would probably be the first one to lose my credentials from pushing back a little bit. I wouldn't after so long, there's only so many times because I can't for me. So for people like I think Portsline and Hedger and I don't I don't know about anyone else, but I know those two like they can be in that building whenever, not whenever, but like for practices and stuff. A person like me who has a day job can't be around. So when your only time when you can get quotes is in a game as a writer, that's going to be very, very frustrating to be able to write. But mm-hmm. it it's not, he doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to give any anything to us. But it would be nice if it happened. Sure. I, I think part of this is that, to maybe to sum up Seeds' point, is, is what I'm getting, is jackets are awful. They look like trash. They're doing some things well, but they're not winning games. And Torts is... Just short saying with it's the media. embarrassing? Right. Short Torts is short with the media act is fine when they're winning and he could buy himself a little rope or a little goodwill or something by just going up there and answering some questions and he's not willing to do that nor does he seem capable of necessarily doing that. And that is frustrating for a coach who I think a lot of Jackets fans in a just world would think would be gone by this point or mm-hmm. should be on a hot seat that does not seem to be in play. Maybe? So see, does and, that- and it and it kind of and it yes yeah I mean that that you thank you for eloquently summing up my point more than I can do it, Brian. I sincerely appreciate you for that. And it's it yeah it's it's just frustrating. And I I almost wonder what it's like behind the scenes at two. You know, you can one one can't help but wonder are the players getting frustrated by hearing this same message all the time by the same players getting benched for this for a mistake or two or something or getting pulled after one period for reasons beyond my comprehension. I, it's just, yeah. And Elaine, I think your point was kind of the same where there has to be give and take where Tortorella has to, does have to give a little bit. And I think the the media has to, you know, find some middle ground too. And you talked about how the the media knows these coaches and you can read a coach that you see every other night. And, and there has to be a little bit more there as well. It's a whole it's a big crap sandwich, and I don't want to ble- have to bleep another time on this episode. But there's no, there's no real good answer. Uh, I, I just quick, quick aside. Alexander Texier, beautiful play to set up Eric Robinson. If we're talking about kids, there's two kids right there. Jackets are up one nothing in this game, off of some really nice plays Yay. from the young from the youngsters. So maybe Torto, maybe Torts will talk about that tonight. Maybe talk about the kids. Maybe he'll listen to Whitney Houston when she says that the children are our future. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would chime in with like me singing Whitney Houston, but none of you want that. <laughs> I, I was gonna sing it, but I'm still under the weather. <laughs> maybe next time. Well, we are almost out of time, Elaine. We were gonna talk about the monsters, and we can still a little bit, but you have a state of the monsters coming out last week. Yes. They split a series with Wilkes-Barre and lost in a shootout to the Laval Rocket. It was a long shootout. 
It was seven, seven rounds. rounds. It was my first game yes. back for seven. And it was my first game back from, you know, I had influenza B and it was my first game back from being sick. And I was like, sweet, we're playing the ball. This is going to get wrapped up real quick. And it didn't. Um, they started out that game really strong. <laughs> they started out that game really strong. Um, and then it kind of fell apart. The shootout was actually really great. Stefan Mateau found, realized that Lindgren's blocker side was really weak up top in the corner. So he was able to get a shootout goal. And then Dano went after him and was like, oh, that's his weak spot. So he shot it there and got one in. And then a few other guys tried to shoot it there, but they shot it wide or just a hair up. But they, it was nice to see that they followed the lead of someone who found the weak spot and realized that he wasn't going to be able to stop it no matter how many times someone shot it there. So that was great. And the win that they had, though, was a really sloppy – it was a sloppy game. Their, their shutout um, on – Friday against the Penguins was uh it was just a bad game they had bad passes they they I don't know how I mean the goals that they scored were good goals they weren't softies they were like beautiful goals but coach said it he said you know when you score goals it covers up all your mistakes and you tend to forget what the mistakes are and then the next night they played exponentially better and they they couldn't even buy a goal they had one goal and which was great because it was the teddy bear toss night. And if we oh, yeah. had not scored a goal, <laughs> that would have been <laughs> really awkward. Um, but it, they, they might have been able to win that game, though, if they um, didn't go and pass the puck instead of going on breakaways and then doing these weird drop back passes that did not work. But coach said. He explained the thing that they work on in in the locker room as coaches called twig. Take what is given. And it's all about being able to trust your guys at the moment of truth is what he called it. And he said, unfortunately, their moments of truth were not so good in the first period, (laughs) (laughs) but they got better. And, And to hear a coach say that he trusts that they will make the right decision when they need to make it is very refreshing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, and now they're on the road uh, Friday and Saturday in Milwaukee and then Rockford. And then they come home the 28th and the 30th and then the 31st, they go to Toronto. So it's like a little bit of games and then a lot of bit of games. Oh. Well, you can check out all of that on jacketscanner.com, all of Elaine's Monsters coverage. And if you have not seen Between Two Goals yet, uh, the Monsters did a Between Two Ferns <laughs> take with uh, Zach Dalpy and Tony Brown. It's very, very good. I watched it today. So check it. it. I'll link it in the show notes. It's the best thing. I think I watched it like... It is very good. (laughs) I think I watched it like seven times in a row. I almost peed my pants. (laughs) (laughs) It was so great. When he asked him, like, what do you do do to make money? (laughs) Yeah, that was such a perfect (laughs) delivery too. It was... That one seemed real. You know what I mean? Like that one seemed from the heart. (laughs) That's just Zach Dalpy in a nutshell. It's really good. So check that out. He's been injured. Mm-hmm. Like we, I don't know when he's coming back, but he's just been a joy. They've gotten so much content out of him. Normally, when guys get when normally when guys are injured, they go into hiding. And Dalpy's like, "I'm injured. You might as well do something with me." <laughs> so. That's awesome. All right. Well, we are just about out of time, but we have some time for final thoughts. 
Yeah, um, I'd like to give a special shout out to Joe Burrow, kid from Athens, Ohio, for winning the Heisman Trophy in college football this season. Joe, uh, during his acceptance speech, made a gave a shout out to the food bank down in Athens County, Ohio, which has since raised one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars uh, during this time of the year when a lot of families are hurting and need the uh, support. So if you guys find it in your hearts to contribute to that or any other charitable cause, um for those less fortunate this year, that's great. And again, um, congratulations to Joe Burrow on winning the Heisman. And I hope they beat Oklahoma and play a tough game against Ohio State in the national title game. Hmm. Ohio State's not going to be playing the national title game, but whatever. I mean, we'll talk, oh. talk about that <laughs> oh, <that's> later. Right. <laughs> oh. Elaine, do you, <laughs> do you have a final thought? My final thought is, holy wow, these Cleveland fans are amazing. First of all, when I was sick, they all were sending me updates, <laughs> text, Facebook, Twitter DM, Instagram DM, Snapchat, like all these fans when I was sick and I missed three games because of it. They sent me every update about the game, like God bless them. <laughs> I couldn't even read all of them, but they were amazing. And then they threw 8,627 teddy bears on the ice on Saturday, which is like double what they did last year. And they just get so into giving. Cleveland fans are so giving and loving. And I wish everyone could experience what these Cleveland fans are like. Because they're just amazing. I probably say that like five times a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic about Cleveland's fans and Seeds, thank you for shouting out Joe Burrow. That was a great speech. If you have not watched it, he does a really good job of talking about the, the poverty and the uh, like Southeast Ohio and that whole region's been hit by the opioid crisis. So he, uh, he talks a little bit about that and, and kind of gives some context to where he came from. So if you have not checked out that speech, go do that. And it's such good news to hear about like a quarter million dollars going to the Athens County Food Bank. So shout out to Athens and Athens County in Southeast Ohio. And my alma mater, Ohio University, who got off a piece of content with Joe Burrow standing as a high schooler next to our university football players. So good job by their social media manager. All right, that will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out her new album, 430, on her website, angelapurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review wherever you find this podcast. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at cbjcanon and comment on jacketscanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
there's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles. And it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.